0: With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
1: April 1st, 2020, season 16, episode number three. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from multiple locations, all at our homes uh, and safely at our homes, but we got an hour to talk to you guys about some Cowboys football here on The Break. Got my guy, Nick, Amber. Uh, Dave, and uh, we're ready to go. What do you guys? How are you guys feeling today? Awesome, Derek.
2: Feeling real good, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> that sounded really enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, that sounded really enthusiastic, Nick. After the long pause, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. There have been a couple sign-ins since our last show, um, and we have some other some other things we're going to get into. We'll talk a little about the running back position today. Actually, we're going to start a uh, position series. Uh, where each day, each show, we're going to go through a particular position and talk about where the Cowboys are coming out of last season, heading into this next season, understanding there are going to be free agency and uh, and draft moves that will be made. But just talking about where the Cowboys are at this point. So let's dive right in. Uh, starting first with the signing of kicker Greg Zerline. Uh, he signs a three-year, $3.5 million guaranteed deal. Um, I'll ask you guys the question just simply. Do you think this was a good move for the Cowboys?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that you talk about the kicker position. We didn't, we have a lot of uh, certainty there for the last three or four years. I think so, uh, maybe the last couple of years. But uh, Zerline's a guy that that you know, obviously he's, they call him Greg the Leg for a reason. I mean, he can kick it, you know, sixty yarders or so. But we saw last year that that doesn't. That's you need more than that. So um, I think it's a good move, but. You know, I, I'm kind of always hesitant about veteran kickers because I think you're a great kicker until you're not. And then, and I've seen it firsthand. So I hope that he still, you know, has some uh, left in the tank there and, and he can make the, the intermediate kicks. I think it's the biggest thing for him.
2: I honestly, I think, Derek, you actually, I believe you asked this. like one of the more recent shows we did. You're like, well, you know, is re signing Kai Forbath enough? And everybody said no. Like everybody wanted some type of competition. They wanted another kicker. I was thinking, you know, undrafted free agents probably. But I'm more than happy to have a Pro Bowler who's familiar with with John Fassel or Fossil on the stat or on the roster. Um, he did dip last year. He was also dealing with a foot injury. Um, you know, we we saw it firsthand. Nick's right. Like when you lose it, you lose it. But Dan Bailey also went on to rediscover his form in Minnesota. So. I'm highly optimistic this guy can still kick at a high level. I'm happy to have him.
4: You know, I, I was afraid that the Cowboys were going to try to bring in a kicker that didn't have much experience. Someone, You know, they like to bring in those guys that no one really knows much about. But I, I'm excited that they decided to sign this guy and someone that's proven, that has that veteran experience. And to go against Kai Forbath, which was a guy that me personally – I liked what he did last year. I was excited. I don't think it was enough. We didn't get to see so much of it. But the time that he did get, he clearly made the best out of it. He didn't miss a single kick. So uh, I'm excited to see this competition. We'll see what happens there. But two good guys. I was surprised, though, that they went in for for a veteran guy like this.
3: You know, they they do have 55. players now on the roster they expanded it two spots now does that mean two kickers probably not but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some team in the league that does at some point in the year will have a couple of kickers on the roster for injury purposes or whatever so you know it's only two spots but i bet it comes in handy at times like this and maybe you know who, who knows i mean maybe the cowboys will uh have two kickers i don't think that's going to happen but just don't forget about the 55 uh players on the roster
1: yeah, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll mention one other thing, Dave. You you kind of brought up uh, Jim Fossil. Um, I I think the interesting thing there is knowing that he was his coach last year, um, and the fact that uh, he had the foot injury suggests to me that at least Fossil thinks that that was the reason for the dip last year. You look at his numbers the last several years, and actually go back to two years ago, he was kicking at 95%. Uh, he was that was the year he went to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he he had a really really great year back uh, two years ago, and so. I, I actually am willing to give the benefit of the doubt there because I think his coach probably vouched for him here and said, yeah, there was an injury concern. He played through it. He didn't kick as well. I feel like if he's healthy, he's a really good kicker. And for me, I give him that benefit of the doubt. Are you guys willing to give that benefit of the doubt as well?
2: Absolutely. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You're absolutely right. Like his dip, His dip last year is startling compared to the consistency of the rest of his career and you find out that he played through an injury, it makes sense. Uh, What else do we know? Like, NFL coaches love their guys. Like, Rod Marinelli's signing every former cowboy in the world out in Las Vegas. John Fossil gets to bring in the kicker that he's familiar with for the last eight years. Um, I absolutely am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but the great thing about the kicker position is it's very easy to tell how well you're doing your job. And so... Uh, you know, he got. I think he got three million or two and a half million in guarantees, which is a lot to give a kicker. But at the same time, you're not going to keep a guy that's not making kicks. So, you know, it's very easy to determine how well a kicker is doing his job. So, he can have the benefit of the doubt for the time being, but training camp and, and preseason will ultimately determine that. Do you you know, got, people you got, always say
3: people always talk about? Uh, the coaches and how they they know their guys and I think this is one of those cases but don't forget that John Fossil also drafted and cut Tavon Austin who is sitting out there in free agency and uh, you know he could they need a punt returner and he knows Tavon Austin and they're not signing Tavon Austin so sometimes familiarity can help a player and hurt a player too
1: yeah do you guys think this is going to be a competition or do you think they go into training camp with Jess Zerlein obviously Zerline's contract is the one that's a little bit meatier than than Forbath he only had a one-year deal do you think they take them both to camp though
2: I would have to assume they do uh uh, Kai Forbath he only got 130,000 in guarantees like it's not this crazy contract um you need I mean you need multiple kickers in training camp anyway and again like why not just let him kick? And if Zerline's not good, it's not enough money that you would keep him if he's not good. I don't know why you wouldn't bring them both to camp.
3: They actually have three kickers on the roster right now. So, uh, Vizcaino, uh, Tristan Viscaino, I think. I don't know.
2: Oh, that's right. I forgot about him. I mean,
3: and and you can dismiss him, but like if he's punted at all, then he's the guy that they want to take at camp so they can, you know, he can do some kickoffs, do some punts. You know, that's the third uh, kicker punter that they always typically take to camp, so I don't, Look, I don't know.
4: I don't okay. care how much experience someone has at this point at the kicking position, at the kicker position. I expect all of these guys, well, these two main guys, Though the other guy, the third guy that Nick mentioned, I really have forgotten about him, honestly. <laughs> but these two main guys, <laughs> I expect them to go out to the preseason games and have them both Kicking at different times of the games and none of that like, oh, this guy has more experience We need to kind of preserve him more none of that crap. I want both of them out there kicking as much as possible and Hopefully Picking out the right guy. I, I don't know. I just now I'm just hesitant I'm tired of getting kind of excited about this kickers and then they always come up with some crap ever since Dan Bailey left Dan Bailey broke my heart and then since then, I just I, I can't be at peace with the kicking so position.
2: So you got to watch the most accurate kicker in NFL history for three years, and now you just can't settle for anything else.
4: Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. Un- and by the way, it's, and it's think, really hard to be excited about a kicker just because the only time you think about a kicker really is when they're not doing their job. If they're doing their job, you kind of take it for granted after a while, right?
2: That's I guess that's kinda of my point, is like A G started following the Cowboys at like the height of their kicking ability and like I hate to I hate to be a downer, Amber, but it's probably never <laughs> gonna be that good again. Uh, it's just it just is what it is.
1: God. You were about I mean, to say something, Nick, what were you gonna throw in?
3: Well, just the fact that I mean, Derek, you remember. I mean, We sat here and we were excited that the Cowboys signed the great, most accurate kicker of all time. He was the leader in accuracy in Mike Vanderjack, and he was terrible with the Cowboys. I mean, he didn't even make it through the season. Parcells had to cut him, and was so bad. And so he was the most accurate kicker of all time. I think Dan Bailey at one time was as well. That's why I'm just kind of hesitant because, you know, I remember there's times where David Akers was never going to miss for the Eagles or that guy Reed was never going to miss for the Steelers. And then they do, and then they fall off, you know. But like Dave said, Bailey did kind of come back, Vinatieri has come back, and, you know, and maybe Zerline will do the same. And I don't think he's had a huge drop-off, by the way, too. I mean, it's, you know, he's not, he wasn't as automatic as he was, but I think this is going to be a good move for him.
1: Yeah, he was, last year, I think he was second worst in the NFL, uh, behind Maher, okay, of course. I mean, ahead of Maher. Uh, but if you look at the last, the two years before that, he kicked at 87% in 2018, 95% in 2017, 86% in 2016. So you look at his, his record, like he's been a pretty good kicker throughout most of his career. He's had a couple of down seasons. He had another season where he's right at 93%. So again, I think that you know, for a kicker, again, you're going to have your ups and downs. And One thing we know about kickers, there are ebbs and flows. There are only a few really great ones that are always consistently great. Uh, most of them kind of have their ebbs and flows, and you hope you catch them on, a, on an upswing. And keep them for as long as they're on an upswing and then whenever they take that downswing, then you may have to move on to someone else. Alright, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Don Terry Poe. Um Cowboys got the deal done for him.
2: About time. Not not you, Derek. About time that they uh, got the damn thing signed. Right. Yeah, they were I mean negotiating it's been... with this guy for six freaking
1: days. Right. Last week we actually mentioned it on the show because at that time they okay. were having conversations. Uh, but if the deal's finally done. Uh, do you guys know the terms at this point? What What was the deal? How much did they pay him? End up paying him, and for how long?
2: I believe it was two years, ten and a half mil. So right, I mean, right not around, a bad deal. No, it's it's right around their sweet spot for deals they like to do, like right around the five yeah. or six per year range. Um, it's not as many years as Gerald McCoy got, but it's a similar salary. So I mean, you know, very typical Cowboys signing, little. Not quite scraping the bottom of the barrel, but definitely bargain hunting.
1: Yeah, and we talked last week about how much of a value a guy like that can bring to a defensive line, especially one that had some issues stopping the run last year. He's a big guy, I think 6'3", 340 pounds, big guy. Um, But with the signing of Poe and the signing of McCoy together, do you think that changes um, how the Cowboys look at the draft when it comes to the defensive tackle position?
3: Well, I, I think it just cha- it just shows that they change what what kind of tackle that they're valuing. They, you know, um, the guy that's a little bit undersized that can play inside is not what they're looking for right now. So uh, I don't think it would change w- what they do in the draft if there's somebody there that fits that mold. But because you remember Poe and McCoy, you know, they're at the downside of their career. Um, you know, this they're just trying to get a little bit of resurgence there, but. I don't think it changes what they're going to do if there's if there's somebody that fits. I just I don't think that the, there's a strong priority to now go into and make sure that you get a defensive tackle. But if like Kinlaw or somebody sit, is sitting there, I don't know why you would pass on him just because you signed these two veterans.
2: I'm really I'm curious about this. I I think they're good signings, McCoy and, and Poe both. It fits what McCarthy said they wanted to do. They can be a little multiple. You can do 4-3 three, and 3-4 three, stuff with them. I feel good about it. But it's a narrative that's going around, and it's totally fair. The Carolina Panthers, I believe, were fourth worst in the league in rush defense last year. Um, and and that was with Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson playing linebacker. So, like, these aren't scrubs playing linebacker behind them. And it is curious to me that they were so bad against the run with these two guys. Um I haven't gone back and watched. I will slash should. I want to go get a better feel for how these guys played. But that is curious um, that that they weren't better. Um, I do like these signings, but in line with that, it wouldn't stop me from doing anything in the draft. Um, Were
1: you know, they primarily playing, primarily playing a four-man front? I don't know if you even know that at this point. Or a they, three-man front no. last year? They
2: played way more four than three. Like, McCoy okay. did play some 3-4 end, and Poe played some nose tackle, but it was a four-man front way more often than a three-man front. Um, okay. So, I I don't think it should stop them. I, I never really believed that they would take a D-tackle 17th anyway, just because I think Derek Brown and Javon Kenlaw will be long gone by then. Um, but there's there's value to be had there. Um Ross Blacklock out of TCU is a name that comes to mind. Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, Justin Matavuké from Texas A&M is a guy that they've been linked to. Any of those guys, uh, second, third round, I it wouldn't stop me from doing anything because I don't think this is like a long-term, you know, fixer-upper situation. I think they still need to look at that position in the draft do you guys you know, Whatever they do,
4: right. I was going to say, whatever they do with this draft, whatever position they decide to go with, they just need to get someone that is able to contribute right away, in my opinion. Last year's draft, to me, is honestly quite forgettable, except for Tony Pollard. I have to really think, like, sit down and think, okay, who were the guys that they drafted last year? And then out of that, the only one that always comes to mind is Tony Pollard. But whoever they go with, I just hope that it's someone that really can start contributing this year rather than sitting around for a whole year and starting to you know thinking about the future and all that stuff none of that crap okay
1: so so with that being said do you guys think that based on anything you saw from Tristan Hill whether that was what you saw in training camp uh in during the season was there any moment or any particular uh spark that you saw from him that suggests that this year he could be better, especially if he has uh, these veteran guys that maybe they can help him out a little bit and get in there. Do you see anything as, as far as what you expect from him this year going into the season?
3: I think the biggest thing for him was the hiring of Jim Tomsula. I mean, he is just a, a veteran defensive line coach that uh, has you know worked with a lot of players and made them better. And, and that's, I think, the best thing that, that can happen for um, uh, Tristan Hill. And that's nothing against rod marinelli i mean it's just that the fact that he can have some different coaching in here but you know he's gonna have to be coachable i mean i'm not saying that he wasn't but he had some maturity issues that he needed to deal with and and i and you know most players make a big leak from one to two whether it be their body whether it be their mind experience whatever he's gotta he's gotta be able to do that i mean they drafted him to be a, a, a you know a contributor and they went and signed Michael Bennett because he couldn't get on the field. So they have to—he uh, has to kind of want it to, to make that that step. Hopefully he will.
2: Hopefully, uh, hopefully Gerald McCoy will be part of that too. Because yeah, I mean, in addition to being a, a great player over the last decade, you know, he's he's re- a, achieved really noteworthy status for what a high character leader type of guy he is. He did an interview a few days ago with one of the serious NFL shows about, you know, talking about how, you know, he, he going to be a leader on this team and, and they're looking toward veteran leadership. Uh, that's not to say Dontari Poe couldn't be that guy, but I just don't know as much about Dontari Poe. I do know Gerald McCoy is, is pretty famous for having high football and off-field character. So that seems like a guy that could have a positive
1: impact on Tristan Hill for sure. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the running back and fullback positions. We're going to get into some topics around that, some most positive things out of 2019, and some areas where they're going to have to get a little bit better. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Cowboys.com radio.
0: Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting essilorusa.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use?
1: How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great
0: deal.
2: Uh, it's okay.
0: Just okay? What's not too right above the subway
1: well i bet you don't even notice it after the- that's my neighbor angus
0: the deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws one score september 2019 back to the break
1: Here at the Cowboys, we can't wait to get back on the field, and we know you can't wait to pack AT&T Stadium to cheer us on. When the time comes, SeatGeek is the place to get all your Cowboys tickets, plus tickets to hundreds of games, concerts, rodeos, and other live events we'll be able to enjoy again soon. Every SeatGeek purchase is protected by buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back if the event is canceled. Guaranteed. SeatGeek. Let's go. All right. Let's jump back into this thing, guys. Let's talk about the running back and fullback position today. We're going to start up our uh, player, um, our position series. We're going to talk about a different position every day. Running back and fullback is where we'll kick it off. Um, This is probably one of the easiest positions to talk about because you have a starter in Zeke Elliott who's going to be here for a presumably long time after signing his new deal last year. You got Tony Pollard who looked the part uh, of a great backup uh, last year from the draft class. Uh, and then where it gets a little bit shaky is the fullback position, whether it's a matter of how much they use him or a matter of what his particular skills are. But Jameez the uh they did pick up his one-year option. Uh, so let's start first by you guys. Give me your idea. of What do you think, from the standpoint, if you had to pinpoint one thing as the most positive thing about the running back fullback position in the 2019 season, what would it be? Let's start with you, Dave.
2: Uh, for me, it would probably be just that I really thought Zeke rounded into his best form over the last, like, six weeks of the season. Uh, let me see if I can get his stats in front of me while I say it. But, you know, I remember last September, last October, we talked about it on the show. We fielded questions about it. Has Zeke lost a step? Is he out of shape? And for a while, it really looked true. Like, you didn't see long runs. You didn't see game-changing plays. Um You know, I think he went like a month without having a run of longer than 12 yards. But I really felt like that changed around Thanksgiving. Uh, And, yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. You know, he has 71 yards and a long of 30 against the Bulls, 80 yards, two touchdowns, and a long of 31 against the Bears. Um, I know it was a a BS game, but he had a really nice day in the season finale against Washington. Um, He just looked like 2016-2017 Zeke a lot more obviously didn't have a training camp in 2019 because of the contract holdout. I think he spent a lot of the season, you know, overcoming that. And, uh, I'm encouraged that with his contract situation taken care of, he can be that back more often moving forward.
0: Amber?
4: Um... Honestly, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the running back position, not just with Zeke, but also with what we got to see from Tony Pollard. You know, he, despite him being a rookie, I think he, he took great advantage of the opportunities that was given to him and he made the most out of it. He sh- has shown to have the ability that you need, not just in a backup. Like, he could be that guy that could step in in case something was to happen to Ezekiel Elliott. He's a guy that, you know, you don't get to me a huge, well, I'm not going to say a huge drop off because obviously Zeke is Zeke and he can only do what he does. But at the same time, it's not like one of these other backs that we've had in the past where there was a huge drop off between those two. So the combination of the two guys, not just him being a guy that can give Zeke some rest off the field, but also a guy that can be on the field at the same time. I'm excited to see what kind of plays they can build for these two guys to maybe have them both on the field at the same time. Uh, I think that would be really good for the offense. So I'm excited about that.
3: Nick. I, I think they said it best. I mean, you've got a capable backup in Tony Pollard, who can you know, jump in there if needed. I think he's going to make a big uh, jump in his second year. Transition, And then, of course, Zeke is still one of the best uh, running backs, if not the best, uh, in the NFL. And, you know, we're seeing that two or three years ago there was a debate on maybe who was the best, uh, and there was three guys, and two of those guys are on different teams now. So, um, you know, I think that it just goes to show that it's hard to stay at the top of the mountain when you're talking about uh, good running backs, great running backs. And, and I think Zeke is, is going to, to do so this year, especially with if, if he can have you know, a full offseason or training camp. I mean, who knows what, what that's going to be like. But um, you know, if, if he can you know, get into training camp and get ready for the season, I think he's going to be uh, even better this year.
1: All right, so what would you guys say is the biggest area for, for, of concern or a place where you see a, or you have a desire for change when it comes to the, the running back position?
3: I'm interested to see about the fullback spot just to see what happens there um, with. You know, with Mike McCarthy's offenses in Green Bay, we saw a lot of, of fullbacks uh, play there, and not not like the finesse fullback like Olawale, but more of a smash mouth blocker guy. So um, I don't know if Olawale can do that, and if that's the kind of offense that they, that they're going to have. But I, I'm anxious to see what happens with the fullback spot because I do think you'll see a little bit more traditional uh, run blocking there. That's why Jason Witten, I don't think, was as needed. Uh, just that complete tight. End tight blocker even though he had dropped off as a blocker for sure but I don't think that that's what they wanted from the tight end position like they've always had this wham the nose type of guy they they don't want that from they want it more from the fullback so I'm anxious to see if they're gonna actually get uh, a fullback type or use Ola Wally that way
0: Amber
4: you know with the tight end position still being kind of in question right now uh, as to me I don't really know what to expect 100 percent out of that as far as productivity I think I would like the Cowboys to start using the running backs more in the um, uh, in the passing game just having more plays they both shown the capability of being able to catch the ball and run with it so I would like to see them just incorporate that a little more with these running backs
2: Dave I mean I don't know how you could see Todd Gurley get cut and shipped off to Atlanta and not be concerned about the long term when you talk about Zeke. I mean, the Cowboys gave him an absurdly long deal by any NFL standard. Even crazier when you consider that it's running back the position that gets bashed on uh, every single down. So The Cowboys need three healthy seasons out of Zeke um, before they could potentially move on and not have it hurt them. I think they can get that. Like Zeke is remarkably durable. I'm not... Super-duper worried about it in the long term, but if something were to go wrong in one of the next three seasons, that's not great, and, you know, that's how you wind up in salary cap trouble. So, just watching what's happened with running back over the last 12 months around the league, it's, it's definitely concerning, but I think Zeke is more of the exception than the rule.
4: But isn't that kind of why they got Tony...
2: It is. Oh, no, and, and I have all the faith. I, I really love Tony Pollard. I think he's a capable backup. I'm excited to see what he can do. But if Zeke is unable to play over the next three seasons at, you know, at the money that he's making. Full
4: capacity, yeah.
2: You're just, you're going to be in trouble when it comes to managing your roster. Like, it's going to hurt your ability to field a, a competent team. So, I, I just need Zeke to be healthy until, like, 2022 or 3. Which, I th- like I said, I think he can do that.
1: Well, this question, is, uh, Dave, you've already said it, but for, for Nick and Amber, how concerned are you after seeing what happened with Todd Gurley? How concerned are you that the Cowboys have a long-term deal with a, a second contract long-term deal with a, uh, with a running back?
3: I think that you have to see warning signs, and, and you saw it with Gurley had warning signs when he was drafted. You know, he was already in, had been injured, and and he was dynamic, but he is injury prone, and he stayed that way as well. Uh, with Le'Veon Bell, you know, he showed you that the, the contract was going to be uh, an issue there, and then and then it was, and then he sat out and they ended up getting rid of him. So. Um, yeah. I just feel like that we haven't seen those warning signs yet from Zeke. He's got the contract. He's 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 one of the highest you know paid offensive players in football. I mean, or for a skilled player, and so and I, and he hasn't really missed any games. Uh, so that the Cowboys, you know, are on his own. So I, I just feel like he's he's probably you know going to play those three or four years like that and if he can play at a high level i mean that's even better but he hasn't shown those warning signs yet
4: yeah that's what i was about to say too it's like he hasn't had any injury through this time the only time that we saw him kind of slowing down or like limping a little bit was in 2018 when the Cowboys were just giving everything to him and poor guy, they exhausted him. So last year with the drafting of Tony Pollard and using him in the game, I feel like they were able to balance that out a little bit better, where Zeke wasn't just being fully exhausted by every single play. But as far as injury and longevity, I think as of right now, he he seems like the guy that can definitely endure several years more without having to lower his productivity on the field.
2: I think part of that, too, you got to remember, like, you talk about second contracts. And, I mean, Gurley is right there to compare to, and I get that. But to Nick's point, he had a degenerative knee issue coming out of college. Like, injuries were a problem with him at Georgia. Um, But when you talk about giving a running back a second contract, you're usually talking about 26, 27-year-old players and Zeke is not even 25 yet. He was remarkably young when he came into the league. So I said this on Twitter recently is like I understand the concern about paying running backs. In general, I don't think it's a great idea, but if you're going to pay one, Zeke is about as perfect a case as there is. And so I get people's concerns with it, but in this particular instance, it doesn't it doesn't
1: bother me a whole lot. All right. In most instances, when we're doing these, uh, these position analysis, we're going to end it with the question of what is the biz- biggest reason for optimism with this group? I think I can answer that for all of us, that uh, the reason that you're optimistic about this group is because you've got Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. There really isn't much else you have to say about it. You feel pretty good about where those guys are. Anybody disagree with that? Nope. No. All right, good. Let's go to break. We're going to take our second and final <laughs> break when we come back. Amber is going to uh, Amber's going to play a little game. we got a little game, just like we did last week. Uh, we're going to get our pens and our paper ready. And uh, you guys join us. It'll be fun. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with
0: pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the Flag Guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at stetson.com.
2: Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Eh,
0: uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too important? right above the subway
1: well i bet you don't even notice it after the.
0: that's
2: my neighbor
1: angus
0: deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down dr pepper so nice to treat you
1: back to the break welcome back to the final segment of the break we are live we're not at the swbc mortgage studios we are at our own individual homes doing shows as most people are doing right now and trying to give you guys a little bit of fun here while you're working from home amber's got a game for us amber what do you have
4: well, basically the same thing as last week, with the exception that we will not make it confusing. We're, we're going to write our answers <laughs> on the piece of paper, show it, and then we'll address the answers as needed. Okay, so let's just Perfect. keep it simple and have fun with it. First question, will the Cowboys miss Jason Witten on the field? Hmm. hmm. Do, we have,
2: do we have to write this down? Sorry, I know we just said we weren't going to confuse
1: it. No, you don't need to. I think we can answer this one just outright. I okay. would say no, um, and I that is, I think they may miss miss him off the field. I think they may miss his leadership. I think it may be a little weird um, if they should happen to match up in well in the preseason. It doesn't really matter, but it would have to be in the playoffs. But if, if they should happen to match up with the Raiders, I, I think it may feel a little weird to Cowboys fans and, and maybe even to his former teammates. But I think just from the standpoint of, of the play, honestly, I, I think that uh, last year what we saw from Jason was a couple of really, really nice plays. I think about that touchdown player, that play that was kind of back shoulder. Phenomenal play by him. But by and large, I think his play was average, um, if you want to be honest about it. And, and so I don't, think, I, I don't think they're necessarily going to miss him on the field. I think there will be other guys that should be able to step up. I love the signing of Blake Bell from the standpoint of a blocking tight end. Um, I think they're going to get more from him than they've probably gotten as a a blocker uh, from any tight end they've had over the last several years. So I I don't think they'll necessarily miss him. I think there are ways to answer everything that that he would have done for them this year.
3: Yeah, I think they'll miss him. Uh, You just said he was average, and they don't have an average tight end right now on the roster uh or they they don't have anything above average on the roster so until i see somebody above average on the roster then i would say that yeah they will miss them from a standpoint of one to three uh on the tight ends that the three tight ends that will roll out there um i don't think they're better right now uh but you know maybe they draft someone maybe maybe those guys will show that they that they are but as of right now i don't think that the the three tight ends that they have are the are better than the three tight
2: ends they had last year
4: uh, I don't, Dave, you want to break the tie?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I'm with Derek. I don't. I don't think they'll really miss him that much. I can't say that Blake Jarwin is definitively better than Jason Witten right now, but I will gladly roll the dice on the upside uh, because you you're talking about athleticism, downfield playmaking ability, run after catch. Uh, you know, we talked about this. You know, last time when when we were talking about them resigning him he has the potential to grow into a playmaker. Um, And, you know, Jason Witten's going to the Hall of Fame. He was a great player, but he's not going to get better than what we saw. Like, he's only going to continue to decline as he gets older. I'll gladly roll with the upside. I think they'll be just fine. All
4: right. All right, next question. Which team or player do you hate Playing against the most. Hmm. Any player or team that you hate seeing the Cowboys playing against the most.
2: I mean, how could it not be Aaron Rodgers, right? It's gotta be. No, I'm serious. I mean, he just... With the the lone exception of the 2016 regular season, he just breaks their heart every freaking time they play. And he doesn't even... (laughs) He doesn't even always have to have a great game. Like... In uh, in 2015, it was James Starks and Eddie Lacy just ran all over him. But like, Rogers' record against the Cowboys is ridiculous, and you throw in two playoff losses, and that's all she wrote. He's the current version of Randy
3: Moss, even though yeah. the Cowboys. Well, yeah, the Cowboys did have two chances to draft him actually, and didn't. Um, so I don't I don't know if they you know he ever. You know, use that against them. But um, yeah, the Cowboys could have drafted him, I guess, in, in 2005. But uh, Randy Moss uh, never lost to the Cowboys, and Aaron Rodgers is only, like Dave said, only lost that one game, maybe two games, but I
2: for think the most part, lost. I think he's seven and two. I think it's or eight and two. It's definitely a lot to a little.
1: Right. I'll I'll say this. I'll, I'll throw in this one. I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely the answer. But if I had to have a second choice it would be the saints in new orleans like i absolutely uh. hate going to new orleans to play the saints that's that seems like it's never fun like it just there've been a couple of games that the cowboys have come out victorious uh, but i just i hate i hate going to that place to play just cuz it's just <laughs> bad things when you start hearing that song that they play you know it's not going good for your team, so I, I just, I'm out on the, on the New Orleans trip to. They,
3: play the You know they're actually going to play at a place this year that they've never won at, in Baltimore. I mean there hasn't been a lot of
1: games there. Yeah.
3: But and but that's a good team
1: too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they have not. Yeah, they have not won there, uh, at that stadium. So I believe zero three. Um, so that'll be, that'll be one of the road trips this year on the AFC. I guess Cincinnati being the other one, which. You know that'll be interesting too if they if they you know have the number one pick with Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> which, See how Mister Helman hear, is that? I hear he's pretty good. I mean, I've,
4: yeah. I've he's all right. It's
1: what I've been told. It's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, all I right. just want to know if you're going to run him down in his locker room and to, just to talk to him or something. I don't know.
2: I. I know people.
4: Can don't you sign this. my tattoo? Can you sign my tattoo? I am going
3: to
2: a choice this thing and make him like sign your glove or something like that. I am a professional in every sense of the word. I would never do that.
4: Yeah.
2: All right. Well, okay. Okay. okay.
4: <laughs> on that note. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With all the changes and the unknown, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest. How good do you project this O line to be in 2020? Hmm. So 10 being the highest, how good do you project this offensive line to be this year?
2: Hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say seven. seven. I th- I think seven is a re- yeah,
1: seven is a really good answer.
2: Uh, maybe six wow. and a half.
1: Yeah, because I think well, they'll be above average. Five is average, right? I think they're yeah. going to be a little bit above average. But Let's I don't think they'll this. be up in eight, nine, or ten.
3: Have they ever been ten? I mean, have they? Have you ever called them a ten? I mean, I, I don't think a ten. A nine, maybe.
2: In 14, yeah, maybe a nine. In, in 14, 16, maybe not a ten, but they were pretty damn close.
3: Okay. Yeah, I mean... That being said, I, I would say seven with the chance to, to get to eight. You know, these guys are older. They and, and they show that they're older. I mean, Zach Martin's missing practice because of a back injury. Tyron Smith, you know, it looks like Derek sometimes with his elbow. I mean, like I just think that I think, my elbow is fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just feel like that. You know, they have gotten a little bit younger. It's not like they're completely older. They're getting younger, and when they keep drafting, you know, some of these guards and. McGovern and Connor Williams and, if, you know, if these guys can step up, uh, you know, they have a chance to maybe be eight, but I would say seven, probably.
4: Seven All right, fields, so right? let's, let's right. say that with the inexperience of the younger guys, plus maybe some injuries that could happen to these veteran guys, how much do you think that any kind of change right there could really affect Dak Prescott in his game?
3: I do think you think that this, Dak
4: has kind of evolved into that kind of player to where maybe he can start holding his own a little bit more?
3: Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing that's going to affect Dak would be the center position. Um, and, you know, he, he did have his best season last year as far, in terms of stats um, when Travis Frederick came back. Uh, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but but I do think that, that Frederick's awareness was, was a big factor, and, and that, that helps. I mean, when you have the anchor of your line making the calls, that's going to take some of the pressure off of Dak. So uh, whoever the center is, if it's Joe Looney, whoever it is, you know is, he's got big shoes to fill. And I think that's the one position that will affect uh, Dak Prescott. And then also if the left tackle doesn't play, that affects him too because we saw there was a game in Atlanta a couple years ago when Tyron Smith didn't play. <laughs> And I think huh. Dak Dak's back uh, felt it. The the next uh, probably the next rest few uh, games of the season.
1: Yeah, you know, Nick, I'll say this though. I mean, the fact that Dak and uh, Joe Looney have been through this before two years ago when when Zach, yeah. when uh, when uh, Travis was out, um, they had to go through this. And so I think they should be better prepared. If Looney's the guy that actually steps up into this position, I think they should be better prepared this time going around, and should be better than they were then because they've had that experience of doing, uh, doing that and have been able to grow from it. So, yeah, I, I know that it's, it, it, it wasn't – and I shouldn't say it was – because it certainly wasn't bad, I don't think, two years ago. I just think that it, it wasn't as good as what you were seeing with Travis Frederick. I think that at this point, my expectation at least, is they should be able to step up uh, and be much better than they were back then because it's, this is their second go-around.
2: I want to throw this out there. In 2018, with Joe Looney in the lineup, Joe Looney played great. They were fine. They gave up 56 sacks, which was second in the league. Uh, Just an impossibly high number, can't sustain winning football, giving up that many sacks, which ironically they made the playoffs, whatever. They dropped all the way to 23 last year, and you can't convince me that a post Guillain Barre syndrome, Travis Frederick, was the difference in 34 sacks. There's just no way. Um, My point being— Because, by the way, he
1: didn't play his best football last year. No, that's my point.
2: Like yeah, this isn't yeah. this isn't all pro Travis Frederick. This was above average Travis Frederick. Like there's no way that that's the difference in in 30 plus sacks. And my point being some of it's going to be on deck. And I think he got a lot better last year. I think John Kitna helped him with his decision making, being more uh assertive in the pocket. Hopefully that keeps up with Doug Nussmeier as the quarterback coach. Moore Moore's still there, so I expect it will be um But I think a lot of that's going to be on Dak uh, to help the offensive line out, and I think he's gotten better at that, as evidenced by the dramatic drop last year.
4: Okay, real quick, what is your favorite jersey number?
2: Hmm. Okay, so, I mean, my favorite number is 14. Just in general? Yeah, I mean, I would say 14 is my favorite number, but like you can't beat like you can't beat eighty eight on a wide receiver in football. It's just so badass. And I like that's not even Cowboys bias. It just looks awesome in general.
4: Alright Nick, you said two. I like two.
2: I like two. I
3: this stems back to Dion Sanders. I, I you know I just when Dion was wearing number two in college, I thought that was the coolest thing. And you know a lot of people like to wear number one, but I think two is 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 cool, especially like in in football. But yeah, I guess even in basketball too. I just think it's it's a
1: it's a cool number. So yeah, I've always honestly I've always been partial to number one on a jersey. I think it looks really cool. And watching Warren Moon for years with the Oilers as number one, that kind of jaded me a bit. Uh, even when I played football in high school, I wore number one just because of Vormoon Ward. So, I thought I think number one's cool. I love number one.
4: All right. Now, in a percentage scale, what are the real chances of the Cowboys drafting a wide receiver in the first round?
1: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> What we want or what we think?
4: <laughs> what you think the Cowboys will do, not what we All
1: right. want.
2: All right. Percentage-wise realistically i would put it at like a 20 to 25 percent chance because i really do think it could be a scenario where the best receiver available is a lot better you know do you want a ready-made starter at receiver or a guy that's kind of a project anywhere else and so that's what gives me pause but all thing like if it's even close if it's even remotely close i think the front office wants a defender So I don't think it's that realistic, but I think there is a chance.
1: Yeah, I agree with that thought process, but I put the percentage around 15% because I think they will convince themselves that that defender is on par with that receiver. Uh, But I do agree with you. I think think there's a possibility you might be able to get the top receiver, depending on what flavor of receiver you like the most. I think you may be able to get one of those top guys at 17, and to me – the value of that is is better than say you know one of the other guys at at one of those defensive positions that may be a good player, but isn't as as great a player as maybe one of those top receivers. Yeah, I, I think it's closer to forty percent actually because Ooh, I, let's that's
3: what and it's what you guys just said though it's because of the value I think that's where yeah. you're going to get your value and then and if some of these defenders are off the board you know if if the value's there of a a C D Lamb or I don't know if Jerry Judy will go that low, but he he might. I mean, you know, who knows? Um, But, you know, they they do have a spot. I mean, three receivers is is important in any offense. That's just the way it's gone now. And they only have two that they can really count on right now. So um, I think it's a starting...
4: Yeah, but with that being said, with what you're saying, Nick... You're saying there is a 40% chance regardless of what they have already invested at the wide receiver position with Amari Cooper, resigning him, and then having what you have with Michael Gallup and his development. Yeah, but
3: I mean Gallup two years for, for two more years for Gallup, uh, three years for, for Cooper. I mean, I still think, and the fact that, that your third receiver is going to play a lot, I, it just comes down to value. And I think because it's so heavy of receivers this year, I think that when they sit there at 17 and they look at their board and they go, who's there? They're like, dang, these three receivers are, are really, really good. I think they're going to either they trade back because of those great
2: receivers or they take one. Which okay. keep it keep in mind, Ag. Name the next best receiver on the team after Gallup. Like that's an awesome starting too. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, seriously, name the next one because it's this. It's,
4: no, it. that's it.
2: <laughs> this reminds
3: me a little bit of, of what Atlanta did. I think a couple years ago when they had Julio Jones, they had Sanu, and then they didn't really, you know, you didn't really have to draft Calvin Ridley, but he was there, and and now I'm, I'm sure that they're glad that they did, you know, because. They didn't necessarily need him, but they but they picked him. So, the, I could see that happening.
4: Hey, Dave. Yes. I got one for you. Okay. That's Bryant. A lot of people keep asking about him coming back to the Cowboys. Mm.
2: I, th- I, I mean I thought <laughs> I thought we did this back at the combine. I I just I I don't see it. I don't like. He doesn't. He doesn't fill the role that they need. Like, they need more of a slot guy. I know, like, he's done that, but it's not his forte by any stretch. He's 32, coming off an Achilles. Does he have the explosiveness you want from a starting receiver? That's – and I think, for the most part, people that want Dez back are talking about, like, let him come in as the fourth guy and play in the red zone, and, you know, maybe he gets 15 snaps a game. Fine. Like, for I still don't see that happening, but, like, we're talking about a guy that can play – Starting snaps, you know, 65, 75% of the snaps every week. I just don't think I buy that Des is that guy.
4: Yeah, me neither. But here's another question for you guys. This one you're going to enjoy. If you had to root for another college team, (laughs) who would you root for?
2: (laughs) Who would we root for? Oh. It uh, can't be anybody in the SEC.
1: Jeez. That was easy for me, actually. Now that I think about it, it's New Mexico because my nephew plays there. So yeah, it'd be New Mexico.
3: It's a nice you NFL. root for them, anyways.
1: I know, but we're saying. I, I assume she's saying other than your school, right?
4: Right. Other now, than your school.
1: Uh,
3: what's another diehard? I mean, I, I talk about invested. Because in three or four years, you probably won't root for them as much. So who is your diehard? Who are you going to wear a sweatshirt with on uh, for
1: on Friday afternoon? Like, what other school? None. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you got like five schools, Nick. So it's a little different for you. You've got, got like five schools you root for.
3: i got two. I've got two that I root for. Well, yeah, um, now. Okay. And that's how many games both of them won last year. So um, <laughs> You know, I would say Notre Dame. Huh. No, that's interesting. I mean, I've always liked Notre Knowing Dame. Knowing I mean, who you're the, playing
1: next year. That's that's really interesting. Okay. I would like to
3: I would like to be there if that has happened. You're
1: gonna you to wear the split jersey? No, no,
3: it's not like that. I mean I liked Rudy, that was it. You know, I mean okay. you know, but I'm All not right. gonna split the jersey, no. Yeah. But I'm just saying I could I could you know root for them. I don't hate them, you know like a lot of people it's like love or hate, I don't really hate them. I, that would be a team I guess I could could pull for.
2: I'd probably um, say uh, I'd probably say Wisconsin. I got a lot of family up there, so I know a lot of people that root for them anyway. you know great you know they they win, they've gone to the Rose Bowl a bunch of times the last 20 years. great running backs, Russell Wilson, uh, Camp Randall's an awesome uh, stadium. yeah, I could root for Wisconsin.
4: You got another tattoo on the other arm?
2: Yeah, I get the W. I get the W over here. (laughs) My tiger.
4: All right, last question. This one's kind of easy. What position do you feel that has been upgraded the most during this free agency?
1: Upgraded? I think it has to be the defensive tackle position, right? I mean, that's where they spent most of their resources at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but upgrade. It, I mean, are you sure it's an upgrade?
1: I mean, I think I think what they have right now is better than what they had last year. Now, whether I, how high you want to think that goes, I don't know. I mean, that that may speak to the the quality or the level that they were at last year, but I think they're better off this year than they were last year at that position, at those two positions, defensive tackle.
2: I think I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I like I don't. You know, talking about how they were bad against the run in Carolina last year, like I don't think it's this crazy improvement. But I just think it speaks to like right now. I just I don't feel that optimistic that this team is better than it was last year. So if I had to pick a spot, I'd probably play say defensive tackle.
3: Yeah, I don't. I think you're right, Dave, because you've got two positions that they have not uh, upgraded. Uh, I mean, they've actually downgraded at cornerback and defensive end. So. Uh, it, you can make the argument for defensive tackle. I, I mean, probably so. Safety is probably a wash. Kicker—it's hard to say that right now because I mean, Forbath didn't miss when he was here, so it's hard to say that he's going to be completely better. Mm. Tight end—you don't know receiver. They actually lost the third receiver right now, so that's a, it. I don't think this is a better football team than it was last yeah. year. Right now, you,
1: you I mean, argue. you guys—you guys honestly think that you guys honestly think that Antoine Woods. Malik Collins are better than Poe and McCoy?
2: No, I just don't think that it, I don't know that it's like that dramatic of an upgrade. I think I think uh, Collins
3: is probably a better player. I mean he's a better player like across the board for the NFL than maybe those two. I don't know about from a scheme fit standpoint.
1: but well, what gives you that impression? I mean we've only seen him in this scheme, so is that just kind of a, your, your thoughts on what you think he can be in another scheme? Because he's going to the same scheme now, going to open yeah. with Rod. So, what
3: well, you know? What I don't know is I don't know his money. I, I don't. I don't really remember. It was kind of. It took a long time for that money to come out. So, what they they paid. Malik? Him.
2: Yeah, Malik, Malik got a one year, like five, four or five million. He got a prove it deal. He really didn't get a whole lot. Hmm,
1: that's interesting. I just, then no, I agree with you. Dan. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, think the league values him very much by seeing by what happened in free agency. I think it's,
2: I think it's his injury history, honestly. He's you know he's had foot injuries for the vast majority of his career. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Derek, that the defensive tackle, the starting two is better than it was, but I don't think it is by this like astronomical margin. Like I mean, Don, you know Dantari Poe like these are these are guys that are closer to the end of their career than the beginning. I Like, you know, this isn't 2012 Gerald McCoy. I still think he can be effective, don't get me wrong. But I just, I'm not convinced that this is a drastic, drastic upgrade.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, honestly, I think time will tell how much of an upgrade it is. I think it's an upgrade, I just don't know how much. And And I think it also depends on what these coaches can get out of those two players that's going to tell you how much it is. So that's what we can't tell, but... I think if you're just looking at just the raw talent of the player, um, I think, to me, I don't think it's even a question that they have better caliber players at those two defensive tackle positions than they had last year.
4: The only reason I'm drawn more to that position, defensive tackle, is just because they've gotten two bodies out of this free agency. Other than that, there's if it was just one guy, honestly, I don't feel like that gives me much excitement. For the position but the fact that at least they signed two bodies to add to the roster that that's the only reason i would lean more towards that being an upgrade at this point
1: yeah and quite frankly i still think the defensive line is worse off i I know that sounds like i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth but the fact that they lost robert quinn to me is bigger than the addition of those two guys relative to the defensive tackles that, that that were there before so for me this all hinges on What are they going to do with defensive end either in the draft or in the remainder of free agency that's going to replace the production that Robert Quinn gave them? So if they don't do that, they don't replace that, and they're expecting that one of the guys on the current roster is going to be that guy, then I think they'll go into next year with a worse defensive line than they had last year.
3: I I guarantee you there are people watching this right now screaming, saying, how can you not say safety? Because they firmly believe that Ha Ha Clinton Dix is a better player than Jeff Heath, Um, but I don't think we know are that you? yet.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I, I – that's one of the areas where are talking about how Dave looked at defensive tackle. That's kind of how I look at safety. I, I think he might be better. Yeah. Honestly, I there have know. been suggestions from things I've seen that suggest he might not be. He might be the same guy. Like, he may just frustrate you in different ways than Jeff right. Heath, Heath would frustrate you, right? So, right. I, I don't know if that's a better player. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't,
3: yeah, I think a jury's still out there.
1: Yeah. Alright, we appreciate you guys joining us Thanks for that Amber, that was a fun game Got some good uh, round conversation About some different things involving this team We're going to be back next week, next Wednesday We'll be back at the normal time, 11 o'clock We'll be uh, here at our homes uh, Not at the SWBC Mortgage Studios, but at our homes And uh, give you guys some more content Some stuff to talk about Make sure you check out all the content we're putting out on DallasCowboys.com We're also putting out a doc of the day If you haven't had a chance to see some of the Deep Blue documentaries um, Every day we're going to highlight a different one uh, it's a good opportunity for you to catch up on those. Again, try to catch up with them on your connected TV devices. It's a good opportunity since you're at home to be able to watch some of our content on your television. Just download the Cowboys Now app. It's on Amazon Fire, Roku, and Apple TV. Until next week, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio.